Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm Brian Fetzer, and the show is called Just a Cup. And I am here with a 28-year-old, an Olympian, a world indoor champ, two-time bronze medalist, sixth fastest man in the 100 ever, sixth fastest man ever in the 60, Trayvon Bromel. Wow, that's that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty impressive resume. But I think maybe one of the biggest things you accomplished, as seen on Instagram, you got your coach Rainer Ryder to smile in a picture, and that might be <laughs> the greatest accomplishment anybody's ever got because that man doesn't smile for anything. No, nah, man, it's it's a challenge. All right, I mean he's he's happy about the things he's happy about, but he's also a man of business, so. He's always locked in the focus. So, you know, being able to capture those those moments is, you know, it's a blessing for everybody. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then speaking of that training group, I mean, so so Reno's been your coach for, for a number of years. You guys have a great training group mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of, you know, accomplishments. What is that like as an athlete to have people around you that are super successful, especially in the sport of track and field? Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like since – I want to say since I came into the group 2019, fall 2019, um, the group has always been exceptional. Like we always had Olympians, Olympic champions, world champions, uh, top five in all times list. Like we've always had great athletes. Right. So to be able to be in that type of environment, there's a there's a certain aura or, uh, you know, sense of motivation you put upon yourself to be like, okay. I want to make sure I'm contributing in the sense of how these athletes have competed and, and performed and make sure that I hold that same uh, standard that this group has as a, as a whole when it comes to what everybody has accomplished. So it's it's motivating. Uh, it's honestly a blessing to be able to see it because it feed off of that same energy. It helps yourself as well. What, what uh, you know, compare that from like being in a college environment where things are really structured on a day-to-day basis. You're going to class, you don't know that. To get into the pro world of track and field, I mean, you, you've been in it a long time now, but I mean, what's the difference that, that a college athlete goes through from now? Hey, you're a pro. What is that like? Uh, I feel like as a college athlete, you don't, you don't really have the worries of what happens next, right? So we know in the pro world, People contracts can get cut, uh, and we're talking about people livelihoods now, right? We're talking about this how people bills get paid, people feed their families. So if something goes wrong, it completely uh, alter like alters your life. Where in college, if you have a bad race, you're still getting a monthly check, you still uh, get meals provided, uh, uniform, clothes, all those things get provided if you're in the college system and for amount of years, for amount of years, right? So when you think of the pro side of things. You have people who may have a good year and then the rest of their career probably diminishes or they disappear off the face of the earth uh, and they have to figure things out. So with college, it's a little less uh, serious when it comes to what happens next. Unlike the pro world, it's like, man, if I don't compete, if I don't compete well, my contract gets cut. My contract gets cut. Now there's no financial asset coming in to where I can pay bills and do all these things. So now it messes up everything mentally right so right in college you like oh man you know i can if i feel like i'm not doing too well i can take a, a red shirt year or you know and just get back to it next year or if i'm getting an injury i can sit out based off of how many races i ran and try again in the next season so uh, i feel like there's a lot of loopholes in college to kind of keep giving you more opportunities 
you know, so it makes a lot of pro sense. World, you don't get that. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, if you're not performing, you're not getting paid. And, exactly. and, and this is speaking of that, when you when you go to you were one of the first, I'll say with New Balance. I mean, New Balance wasn't really known for having sprinters or, you know, field event athletes or anything like that. And then you come on the scene and sign with New Balance. I, I, I definitely know. I mean, that was back when I was coaching in college. And there's mm. a lot of people that kind of were like, New Balance? Like, yeah, no, nah, for sure. What, what happened with that? And now, now obviously, <laughs> New Balance has really started picking up their game with, with mm. different athletes. How did that come about? Like, I think that's a, a probably a fascinating story. Man, so – Honestly, for me, it was all based off of what uh, the brand could help me help me do. And a lot of times that was being able to give back as, as, as far as to the communities or to a certain uh, certain organization that I would like to donate to. That was like a real big uh, decision maker for me when it came to choosing a brand uh, and also not being a number. That's always been my model in life like i didn't want to just i never want to just be a number to a company or to a brand um so for me it was just all about picking and choosing what felt right to me uh personally so when it came to choosing new balance it turned everybody here so they're like okay we know they they do distance but we didn't know they, they were interested in sprinters uh and i want to say right. at the time obviously i think vernon signed before me so vernon orwell mm -hmm. was with the brand uh harry akins but outside of that i don't think we've signed like sprinters since then as far as from the men's pers perspective right. side of things so it's it's interesting you know being with the brand for so long and being a part of i would say history to the brand because they're known for distance sure. so we've had success you know along the years from the male sprint side vernon has done his thing uh harry has done his thing myself so it's it's a it was an interesting opportunity to choose the brand to go with uh, which I think a lot of people <laughs> wonder why, but when I look back, you know, it was a good decision. They, they, they stuck, they stuck beside me. Things have been good. Um, and I've been able to enjoy a lot of the moments of new beginnings with them as well, which is a beautiful thing too. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned, I mean, your career has been, you know, well-documented of the, the roller coaster ride per se. Yeah. You know, probably the best way to put it. I mean, injuries and then coming back from an injury time and time mm -hmm. again i mean last year you run the sixth fastest time ever in the 60 mm -hmm. and then right after the season you have surgery uh you know yeah man yeah it's it's I, it was interesting <laughs> how do, how do you as an athlete how do you respond or what motivates you to keep coming back oh i think in the past what motivated me was knowing that i have more time uh, knowing that I was young when a lot of the injuries happened uh, and I still have opportunities to make my dreams come true, which even still to this day, like we see people like the Gatlins of the world, right? Redefine how long a person can run in this sprint game. For me, I'm only 28 years old. It was funny because a couple years ago, I was like, man, 2024, I'm going to wrap it up. Like I'm, I'm going to be done. <laughs> but now I'm looking at it and I'm like, 2028, I literally will be 32, all right? right? So I'm like 32 going on 33 and I'm like, shoot, I'll still be young and my years are still, I'll say, not really nourished as much because of the four years I set out into my pro career. Mm -hmm. So my body is still adapt adapting, trying to find its peak. So for me, it's just like, I never 
lost that sense of saying like, hey, I know I can be the best in the sport. I know I can do great things. I know I can cement my my legacy in the in the sport as well. So even for this injury, uh, coming into this previous season, what keeps me going from this was knowing the hard work that I put in and what could have been keeps me going. Like I wasn't training for the 60. Like a lot of people don't know this or take into consideration that when I ran against Noah New Balance Meet, I was not training for the 60 at all. I want to say I've done, I did two block start sessions with me and Marvin before we end up going to the New Balance Meet. Um, it like it was not even on our list to the point that my coach didn't even come. Like he was like, "Look, we we just going there because the brand <laughs> want us to run." To be right. honest, like right, Raina Raina wasn't there with me. It was me, my mom, my girlfriend. Like that's literally that's it was it was just a a competition to be like, all right, they want me to show face. Cool. Uh, I was originally supposed to run the 300. That's what I told them like months ago. I was like, look, mm. we're training through indoors. I know you all want me to perform, but I don't want to run the 60 because I'm not, I don't care about the 60 really. Like I just want to go and right. do what I need to do for outdoors. So we go and run the 60 and obviously I don't like losing, especially in the way that I did <laughs> knowing that right. I wasn't training for it. Right. Right. So when I went to Clemson and my coach did come, we like, okay, let's put the world on notice. So we go out there. We literally didn't even warm up for the first round at Clemson. Uh, we go out there and run 653. Uh, crazy story. We get probably, we do our two lap jog skip to warm up the body. And we probably did two drills before they said 60 meter man come to the first call room. And we like, whoa, like I warm up anybody who knows tumbleweed. I warm up is almost like 40 minutes. Absolutely. You know, for competition. Absolutely. So we're like, what the heck? So coach is like, hey, do two excels, go out here and just get through the round. So 653 come up. I'm like, I'm like, hold on. Okay. Off of really not warming up. I'm like, okay, let's see what happened next round. We started right. warming up. We took precautions. We started warming like 20, 20, 30 minutes earlier than what we originally would. Uh went in, kind of had some. I ain't going to say hiccups, but for me and my coach, technically we wasn't where we wanted to be in the semis, but we still ran 647 to equal my PB. So we like, if we fix this, Trey, we could drop something. So warm up again, do what we need to do, did some excels, cleaned up the small little details, 642 come across the board. And in my opinion, I felt like if I would have went to USA's that following week, I would have ran 6-3. I know for a fact I would have. That's a heck of a thing. That's a heck of a three races. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's impressive. And it, it also goes to show, too, like the difference between having your coach there or not. Right. Because the right. track meet, I'm going to tell you like this. This is how crazy it was. I flew back to Jacksonville Sunday. I took off Monday. Tuesday, we did some excels without blocks. Wednesday, we did some. We did some excels and then block starts. And then I flew out that afternoon. I think the race was on Thursday or something. Like it was like weird. Like I only had three days in between before I raced. So it wasn't like I had like a week or a week and a half to prepare. Right. And Raina, he flew up that morning. I picked him up. Boom, we got to it. You know, so, so, so what what when you, you said you said having your coach there makes a difference. Explain hmm. explain to you know somebody listening that does not really understand what you mean by having your coach there makes a difference. So everybody's seen the start that I did at the New Balance uh, 
pre 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 race warm up. You know, they have the the day before the race where everybody goes to the track. They're doing starts and stuff like that. Everybody's seen that video. Video goes viral, and to the average person and even a coach who is not maybe maybe mm-hmm. technically sound here right. to know right. what Trayvon Bromel's best start looks like, everything looks perfect. Everything I was like, oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful start. This, this, that, and the third. But my coach, he's like, nah, we could have fixed this, fixed that. It would have put you in better position here. And right. the average person and some coaches who've been doing this for many, many years, they don't pick up on those cues. One, they don't coach me. And two, right. a lot of times the Mees, the Marvins, the Coleman's, all our starts look beautiful to the average eye, right? So it doesn't it leaves me with not knowing how I truly look compared to somebody who knows my star, who watches me day in and day out to maybe the average Joe. That's just like, shoot, trade to me. It looked good. Cause you was going like, you know, where my competitors, they had a coaches, they fixing those fine details where they coaches see them practice every single day. So that makes a big difference. People don't understand that. And I feel like it's a testimony to see the difference in a three day span without a coach and with a coach, what happens, right. right. You know, so. And when you, when you sit there and look at, uh, you know, the difference in, I mean, you're talking about six point, you know, four, two seconds. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's it's super, super quick. So yeah. even with a finite, you know, minor change makes a huge difference when you're talking oh, yeah. about, you know, hundreds and thousands of seconds. Yeah, so I, I not definitely. Makes makes complete sense. What going into this season, into you know Olympic year, what are some technical points, or what are some things you've really tried to work on to kind of get yourself ready for Paris? Well, first thing first is just the health. Uh, right. I'm still rehabbing, still uh, pushing through small little post surgery pains and things like that. But honestly, I I'm looking way better than. My doc who did my surgery thought I would at this point. I'm only, matter of fact, uh, I'm coming up on five months post-surgery. So he said a lot of the times people with this certain injury and this certain procedure will not feel no pain until probably past the six-month mark, which for me would be in January. Um, Also, it's just like I'm not in a rush, honestly, to – try to get back and racing. Like I can tell you right now, like I'm not running no time soon. Like I'll be right. probably racing more closer to the trials time of the season than anything. So it's going to be a wait before the world see what I'm going to do, but <laughs> right. I think it'll be worth it. Even for my, for my senses, I've done stuff on the timing system mm-hmm. to where my coach is like, Hey, you good right now. We don't need to rush this. Like if you still feeling pain and you're running like this, let's calm down. Let's get this pain out of here, and then we get to work. You know, um, I'm still doing over distance. My strength, I think my strength and endurance have shocked even my coach. Um, man, I've been through a lot with these injuries, so it, it takes a lot to hold me back. Like, I can fight well, through a lot, and it's not – And it's for not him, to, for knowing Reina, for him to say that things are good or it looks good or stuff like that, that's not – he's, he's not – he doesn't throw out compliments mm. <laughs> like it's – you know, candy and, you know, Halloween, exactly. he's, he, if he says it's good, it's good. Um, so exactly, that, that yeah. should give you confidence, obviously, you know, as an athlete, knowing that um, when you hear those things from him. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Uh, like I said, I think me and his biggest thing is we know that we can run fast. Um, 
Right. My my major concern was the fitness part. And what I mean by fitness is like the endurance. And we've done some workouts where he's been very happy and satisfied with. Uh, and I think a lot of it is my urgency and my uh, dedication and mindset not to give up. And I think that's what's pushing me through a lot of it. Obviously, my faith. I believe that God didn't bring me into this sport for no reason. Uh, I don't think he's brought me through all these trials for no reason. I think oh, one of these track meets or one of these championships is going to be the one for me that's going to seal the deal to say, hey, it was all worth it. You know, and that's how I train. I train as if that opportunity is coming. So I just try to stay up on my game, doing what I need to do, uh, making sure my body is ready to go. And I just go from there. One of the things that I don't think many people probably would know is, you know, you shoot me a message the other day and say, I was finishing up an assignment. And I'm like, mm -hmm. assignment, like, what, what are you studying? <laughs> and, you know, you tell me you're in theology school. And I'm like, wow, yeah. like, that's that's impressive. What led you to, to go that route? So uh, I was just talking to one of my homies about this today. Like, the type of person I am, whatever I do, uh, I try to do it at the highest level. Um, education is a big part of my life because I didn't take it serious when I was young. I, I would tell anybody, I feel like I didn't become the person who I was from an intellectual standpoint until I got to college. Um, my biggest thing was my faith is a big part of my life. So theology school was to test my understanding, uh, to give me more perks on how to prophesy and speak the gospel to other individuals. As far as doing school while being a pro, this is just an, another situation I kind of put myself in. And when I say situation, it's not a bad thing, but I I got my first master's degree while I was a pro athlete back in 2018, 2019. I got my master's in entertainment and business while being a pro. Um, obviously finished up undergrad and now I'm doing my second I'm doing my second master's now I'm already halfway through so I only have six more classes left until I graduate with that one that's awesome. uh, yeah and it's it's just an ongoing process for me education is big knowledge is important to me wisdom is important to me and I don't think a lot of people take that serious and they think that because you are a pro athlete and things like that you can't take that time to still sharpen those tools because once track and field is over with you gotta have a plan Absolutely. And and you don't just have the theology plan. I mean, I mean, you're a, you're in a business, you, you've got mm -hmm. you, photography and in the, the videography, your, your Instagram and some of the things you've done. I mean, I told you, mm -hmm. I mean, they look like they're, you know, professionally done photography at practice, oh, yeah. just kind of like hanging out. I mean, what led you to that creative side you know, in the whole system of, of, of photography uh, and videography and those kind of things. So uh, I feel, I've spoken on this before, like some interviews and stuff like that. But my biggest thing was that getting people to understand this is not new. Like photography mm -hmm. and videography is nothing new to me. So when I was younger, me and some of my friends, we, we was doing rapping, right? We was rapping, doing music, writing music. And it was a place called the Royal Theater. Uh, that was like in Midtown in South Side of St. Pete. And for us to use the studio, we had to like get into the program. So mm. when we got into the program, we did recordings, we did recording arts, we did videography and photography. So that was my thing in this program. So not only was I doing music, but I was also understanding the arts of video and film, I mean, film and uh, photography. 
So it was already a part of me at a young at a young age. I just started getting more into my sports side of my life, and it kind of just got put onto the back end. So when I got hurt in 2016, I needed something to take my mind off of not running, uh, not being able to compete and doing all these things, keep my mind off the sorrow and the pain I was dealing with. So I got back into it. And since then, it's, it's something that I can't step away too long from, uh, uh, too long for. So uh, even when it comes to like my fashion photos and things like that, I have just a certain artsy thought behind it. Or if I'm taking photos of other people, like on my photography page, shots by TV, it's, it's just another side of my world to say like, this is who I am. This is what I like to do. This is what I enjoy. So give everybody the, where can they find some of your photography? Also, uh, uh, my photography page is in my social media bio. So if you go to my I am Trayvon Bromel Instagram page, you will see my photography page in my bio, Shots by TV. That's awesome. It's I mean, you, you've got a thought process that I don't think a lot of people would associate with athletes. Because mm-hmm. I think athletes, sure. most people, you know, they're, you know, well, they're sports, they're sports, they're sports. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you think of community. You talked about mm-hmm. some of the things you talked about new, what New Balance was able to do for the community. What are some things that you've done with the community or New Balance kind of jointly has done, you know, to give back? Yeah, so I've, I've done uh, grants like uh, financial grants for athletes uh, outside of the pro world and inside of the pro world. Uh, just give a heads up. You know, we face a crisis where a lot of pro athletes don't have the financial help. So. Uh, me and my LLC and New Balance, we have helped athletes within the sport and outside of sport. Uh, I've done, like I said, the donations when it came to 2018. I did the donation for a grant to help kids get into college. Uh, yeah. Also, we do like giveaways for like shoes to like boys and girls clubs and things of that nature. What else? What else? Uh, helping That's kids awesome. high school with their track program stuff. Uh, I don't I don't know how the pro what the program is doing now as far as it gives. I have I haven't actually been in contact with the track coach like that because it's been a lot of uh staff changes. Sure. But sure. for the most part, yeah, doing stuff with the school. And yeah, so far, I want to say the past year or so, I've kind of been last year I did an athletic grant again, but I've been pretty on the downside of it because a lot of changes are happening uh community wise and in my life wise so i've had opportunity to kind of pinpoint what i want to do from a donation and helping standpoint but we're definitely going to get back on board with that in these next few years and go from there being philanthropic as an athlete is because you have such of a platform you know Mm -hmm. to to be able to, to to reach individuals that might not otherwise you know have an opportunity to to hear about things because you know people leave, leave athletes in such high esteem. Hmm. What are some advice would you give to that, that kid that came from the similar situation? You came from St. Pete, you know, yeah. Gibbs high school. Um, you know, if you're giving advice to another young man or young woman hmm. that was from your same background, hmm. what would that be? I tell them don't give up, even though people want you to hmm. like a lot of people will see, the small glimpse of your blessing and they'll try to uh, diminish it, throw you off your game, tell you down, say you aren't, you aren't as great as you want to be or great as you claim to be. And that'll take a lot of people out mentally. And what a lot of individuals got to understand is that your life is your life. And the author who has created you is 
in route to bringing that blessing out if you continue on that path. So for me, I would tell any athlete or anybody in general, you don't even got to be an athlete, but keep pushing forward, keep moving, no matter the, the trials that you go through, um, the, the the battles and wars you may face in the world, like that's going to happen. Like even if I even go from a spiritual standpoint, I tell I was telling somebody this the other day, if you read the Bible in Genesis, the first thing that the Lord told us was that the world was made in a void. Like it was black. It was nothing there, right? Without void. And then there came the light. So I tell people all the time, in your darkest hour, always remember the light is coming. So for me, I remember that every single day. I'm like, even in those dark times, those rainy times, like it's going to end. It's not going to always last. So you just got to keep pushing forward regardless. That, man, that, that's amazing advice. That, that's some... That's that's some deep advice, not uh, not that surface level, you know, nonsense. Some people start talking. I mean, that's yeah, because it's it's easy to tell somebody, oh, keep going. If your life has always been peaches and cream, I tell people all the time. The reason why I'm able to talk about so many situations is because I haven't met nobody that's been through what I've been through. Athletic wise, three, three Achilles surgeries, two knee surgeries, fractured hip, and I have got to the highest level of the sport going to the olympics i have gotten i have received medals for my performances i'm ranked in two events in the top 10 all time so as an athlete i can speak about these things because i've had the experience in these same situations you know not taking away from somebody who never had to go through this and have reached the highest level but when we talk about that pain that sorrow that that hard work that struggle I feel like I'm a great voice for that because I, one, not only have I been through it, I always put it out there for everybody to see. Right. Just so you, they know you, it ain't. You definitely don't shy away from talking about the, the, you know, the crazy situations, the injuries, you know, growing up. I mean. Cause it happens. It happens. It, it's real. And I think, yeah. I think a lot of people appreciate that because a lot of people, especially if you've had adversity, not mm. a lot of people want to be vulnerable to go out oh. and say their true feelings or, or how mm-hmm. it felt. So it's commendable that you're, you don't shy away from, from your past and from circumstances that might not have been ideal. Oh yeah. Ideal. Nah, I will, I will always be honest with anybody, especially when it comes to my, my story and the testimony of my life, because at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer that you will not have, a life that has no battles or wars or trials, right? So there's going to always be a hurdle in the way that you have to jump over, obstacle that you got to overcome. Like you have to understand that your life is not going to be peaches and cream. I haven't met nobody who just said, oh, yeah, man, nothing ever happened to me. I've never heard it before. Like that's a a fairy tale lifestyle that we will never, ever uh, get to dwell in. Life is black or white one day it might be dark one day it may be shiny but you got to deal with whatever comes with it so for if i if i dealt with all these things and i kept it in and didn't tell nobody how can i expect for somebody to have faith that they can make it so when i hear other athletes that have stories but ain't telling it and then they make up some excuse about oh man i don't want to i'm like man you don't understand who you could help like it could be somebody that's just like you out there that needs to hear this that they can make it and you're not saying nothing and then I tell them, I said, imagine if the person that you may have heard didn't say what they said, you probably wouldn't be in this in this position. So that's, that's why I never shy away from speaking up and, and telling the truth. That's awesome. That that's 
That's some incredible stuff. Now, speaking of speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm making a little lighter because you I mean you, you got really deep, and I, I love that. Um, <laughs> when it comes to trash talk, uh, you know, yeah. sprinters are notoriously known for, for talking trash. Who's yeah. the best trash talker on, on the track and field circuit right now? The best trash talker? Man, I, I have to say, <laughs> I have to say Fred. Cause Fred, Fred, yeah. funny because like I can I, I can trash talk, but I'm a I'm a laugh because it's funny to me. You know what I'm saying? But Fred, right. it's funny to him too, but he don't show it. That's the thing. Like me and Fred can joke back and forth and he'll laugh about it, but under his own circumstances, right? He'll probably right. laugh about it like if he had at the crib or something. But if he said to you in public, like he ain't laughing so it to a lot of people, it's like, dang, is he serious? Like, do they got beef? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Now, hear me out. It, it's some people that he trash talk to that he just really don't fool with. But right. in the most cases, like if it's me and him, me and Marvin, stuff like that, uh, it's like all of us. Like it's just it's just banter. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, but it's you know it's I, I definitely say it's probably Fred out of anybody. What is what is something that a professional track and field athlete? goes through when you're traveling that the average person would have no idea or it would shock them? Uh, I would say adjusting to a new culture. I think the easiest thing for pro athletes and other sports is they stay in the United States. With track and field, we got to go to other countries, deal with other cultures and how they eat, you know, what they do like throughout the day, knowing they're, they're say for instance, like our grocery stores may close at 11 over there. It's closing at like 7 p.m. So you have to adjust to what that culture brings instead of thinking like, oh, it's going to be just like the United States. No, it's not. So it's a little different. You have to you got to find your way around this new culture for you to be able to perform at your highest level just for you to get on a plane and go to another place that's totally different and perform what, there. What's the most unique place you've been to that track and field has, has delivered you to? Unique place. Oh, or what's your most exciting place? Mm. Monaco, I think, would be my most exciting place. I, I feel like a lot of people would say that, though. The cars, the, the oh, atmosphere, yeah. it's just luxury, right? Uh, that or, or Doha, people would say. As far as unique, I'm not even going to lie to you. My coach think it's hilarious. We was in uh, we was in Rabat. And we were going to the airport, and <laughs> they was doing, like, the like their prayer, like the call over to, like, mm -hmm. the, the, the like, yep. city's intercom. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I didn't know what the heck was happening, but I went to looking around like, oh, like you know, what I'm saying like <laughs> it, it was crazy. I was right. I seen everybody like drop down, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, like what, what, what's happening? And he was like, nah, they they doing the prayer, you know. I was like, oh, I was like, man, I didn't know what was happening. I thought because yeah, all you hear, then it, you hit a voice over the intercom. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, nah, not like this. <laughs> I'm like, this can't be happening right now. But you, you mentioned cars. You had an interesting experience in the Indy car. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, sure. the, what was that like? I mean, getting a chance to to be around, you know, Indy race cars. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about fast as human beings. That's fast. No, for <laughs> sure. With the cars. What was that yeah, like? The Indy the cars was interesting. When, we, uh, when I got the opportunity to ride in the back seat with the driver, it threw me off how the force – of the car just moves like it's not yeah. like a regular vehicle it doesn't turn on the axis like a regular car from like left to right like if you turn real quick to the left you feel the drop of the car it's not like that in those cars 
literally you don't turn the car like this like the car moves around the corner to like a a, a, a side to side horizontal uh senses it's not like uh you bend the corner like this into the curve like it's like right. a boom like that more than a a drop like it's interesting man it, it was blowing my mind just feeling the, the the g's of the driver like we got around the track so quick and i was just like yo it's no way this is, this is safe there's no way this is a sport <laughs> you know like i'm like this is crazy that i mean that it puts things in different perspective when you get the chance to 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 go and do different unique skill sets because i mean yeah. driving a race car is a very i mean that's a tough it's just not an easy thing to do because you talk Man. about the G forces and coming around those yeah. curves. Yo, you're this close to the wall. Like you're this yeah. close to the wall. Like I literally was like turned and I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I could have literally just went like this and touched the wall. Like it was, I was like, yo, it's like, if I was driving this car, I would have crashed seconds right. into pulling off. Like, right. It is it's wild, man. As well, I mean, I, I've seen some some pictures and heard some things about you and, and bikes. I mean, you enjoy <laughs> driving, you know, bikes a little bit. Yeah, man, bike life, man. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite one you've had? We got so, to drive. Uh so so far I've had a DRZ four hundred. I got a YZ two fifty. I got a Honda one fifty. I got yeah. I got a Suron. I had a little one twenty five little pit bike. Uh, what else? What else? And I want to say, like back in 2017, I had a CBR 300, little sport bike. My brother, my brother was in the sport bike, so that's the reason why I got that. But I was definitely more, yeah, I was more interested into the into the dirt bike role. So right now, my favorite bike, honestly, is my Honda 150. I don't know why I think it's because it's the same size as a Suron, but it still got like that torque of like uh, a, a big bike. You know, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be doing my thing. People don't like it, but I mean, I like it. <laughs> Excuse me. Have you, if you got, uh, got a chance to talk to Raina about dirt bikes a little bit, cause you know, he's at a pass. Yeah. 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 You know, it was funny. Uh, when he started seeing me on the bikes, obviously he was not a fan. Uh, him, my agent, I'm pretty sure nobody who loves track and field is a fan of me being on the bikes. Uh, but I, I, yeah, yeah, I knew I knew he was uh, he had a pass in the bike, he would show me like videos of him back in like the motocross scenes. Mm -hmm. And you know, we it's funny because it got to the point where he was like, I ain't gonna be able to keep this boy off this bike. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because he'll try to implement like the dirt bike terminology into practice. So if I'm doing yeah. starts, he's like, When you come out the blocks, you gotta it's like you're coming off the clutch, you gotta make sure that you're feathering the clutch and hitting the throttle. I'm like. I was like, so now we're, using, now we're using the dirt bike terminologies in practice. I said, all right. But I, I get it, though. But it's it's his way of keeping engaged. But Sure. He's – I'm not going to say he's okay with it. But, yeah, it's it's just one of those situations where he's like, man, be safe. If you don't ride it, I'll be more happy. <laughs> you know? Right. Hopefully, hopefully as it gets closer to June-ish, May-ish, you're probably not riding it too much, right? Yeah, and, and two, I don't like. I, don't get me wrong. Obviously, when people see me Willie in the dirt bike, they like, man, what the heck? I would say this: like, in, in most most cases, I'm not doing nothing 
too too crazy like you ain't about to see no right. videos of me swerving out in front of cars and mid with me like i'm one i even if i did that i'm not posting it. you know what i'm saying a lot of the stuff right. that i post is i'm at the lot or i'm on an empty road like it, you know i tell people like this like you do gotta still live your life and sure. i know people are worried about injuries and getting hurt and things like that and i i look at life like this like even the most calmest things you can get hurt in like you see people get hurt at theme parks on roller coasters you see people getting car accidents on the daily like a lot of things can put you in a bad situation with accidents my thing is i pray my mama pray over me before i go get on them bikes and like i said for the most part i'm not doing nothing too too crazy like i know when i feel like all right this might go a little too far i load the bike back onto the truck and i'm gone like simple as that but that's a wise man that's a wise man. We'll get you out of here on, on one last question. If there's one word that will describe 2024 for Trayvon Bromel, what would that word be? One word to describe 2020, 2024 for me? Man. I'd put you on the spot. That's a, that's a tough one. I'll say, ooh, man. <laughs> one word i say believe i love it i say believe that is, that is a great one without question because uh you've got to have that to, to have success no no for, for sure. sure and not even just from a spiritual sense like for myself i gotta believe in myself uh for the world to see what i'm capable of doing i gotta make them believe as well uh it's just all in the sense of like i said i, I put so much into the sport i started running when i was four you know, and I, it's funny. I hear people's stories about when they started running and things like that. Like I've invested many, many years into the sport. Uh, I gotta believe in me. I gotta believe in, in my in my coach. I gotta believe in my training. I gotta believe that God gonna get me through all these situations. Um, and I want to make the world believe. You know, I, I I really do. So for me, that's that's the motto. You know, but me and my me and my uh my mentor, he like a he like a father, a brother in Christ to me. And I, I mm -hmm. tell him, I said, we gotta go back to the old Baylor old old Baylor motto. Make them believe. That was my motto freshman year. Every yeah. practice, every race, like me and him were going to the races. Like he adapt me up like that, and he'd be like, "Hey, make them believe." Like that was our motto. I so for me, I think I'm I'm going back. I'm going back to that mindset. Like I gotta make the world believe. Man, it was so such a good time listening to you talk. You 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 think on a different level than especially individuals your age. Mm -hmm. You know, I I I commend you for that, man. You've been raised right. You've been you're doing the right thing. So I'm excited. I appreciate uh, appreciate come on to Just a Cup. This is uh, Just a Cup. Brian Fetzer, my guest today, Trayvon Bromel. Uh, definitely subscribe, like, comment, share. Uh, we want we want as many people to hear uh, his story and to, to talk and listen to the complete wisdom that you just, we were sharing. So thanks again for being on Just a Cup. And uh, We'll uh, look forward to, to tracking and to seeing how things progress over 2024. For sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.